three, two, one. Happy, Happy New Year! Year! Oh, and new decade. Howdy, you folks, and welcome to the In Search of Adventure show. I'm your host, Peter D, and I'm coming to you from the Adventure Club room, where we reignite your curiosity for an extraordinary life, making sure you have all the skills in place to take back control of your own story. Now, this episode is, in fact, the first in a special two-part series all about New Year's resolutions, successes, failures, mm, lots of failures, and in particular, what we should avoid when it comes to setting goals this time of year. We won't be including our normal sort of popcorn adventures segment these two, next two weeks, but I promise we will return to our normally scheduled program at the end of this special series. So let the adventure begin. I'm a little bit excited because each of you have something really different to give to us today. So why don't we just cover that off quickly? So James and I know each other through the finance world. Please don't hold that against us. Um, we are both into money, but mate, I'd say that you have a particularly unique take on money due to this sort of sufficient life approach that you have. Do you want to give us a two seconds on how that sort of positions what you're doing and, and how you think about life? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Peter. And uh, good to be here. We um, So Sufficient Funds is the business name. I guess the idea of that is that's different for everyone. And and so many people in the finance world and so many people approaching us to work with us in the finance world think that it's about money. Uh, and my view on it is it's absolutely not. It's actually about life. It's about you. It's about your goals, your dreams. Uh, so we start a process of defining sufficient uh, and work through from that that angle. And so we park the money, um, put that aside to help people actually think about what they want to achieve mm. uh, and take it from there. There's it's so important, isn't it? Particularly as, as having worked in investment wanking, I mean banking in a past <laughs> life, um, they, often people who get money then want more. And so if you haven't actually defined sufficient to begin with, then nothing is ever enough. It's very true. And it's very hard to, to make good sound money decisions if you don't really know why or what you're working towards. Definitely. Definitely. And we'll come back to that actually as part of our new year's resolutions sort of discussion. But next up, we've got the lovely Fran. Fran, now you and I are meeting virtually here for the first time. So hello. Hello. <laughs> um, and you're coming at this as a, so your qualification is as a nutritionist. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Awesome. But you've sort of got a very, a bit of a broader sort of wellness and mindset approach. Why don't you sort of give us the, the um, background or the explanation of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my primary job is as a functional nutritionist, but I actually came to this work through my own journey with chronic fatigue syndrome. So, and I realized that it wasn't just about nutrition. So nutrition is a huge part of it. But that didn't get me to, you know, 100% recovery. It was really the mindset side of things. I'm also a yoga teacher. So yoga played a huge part in that as well. And it was really this holistic approach to health that um, enabled me to recover. And that's what I support people with now. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, I think that'll be really helpful as we discuss these <laughs> too. Um, so then we have, you know, last up, but not certainly last in heart is uh, Suzanne. Thank you for joining us. Now, what's really interesting is you have both an expertise, but a personal experience that's really applicable here of really knocking off something that was a goal, um, which was, I mean, it's massive. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because it's super impressive. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Not at so, all. My work now, I'm known as the weight loss coach who doesn't do weigh-ins. Um, and my Woo-hoo! personal story, <laughs> um, I've released, I say released and not lost because I don't ever want to find it again, 78 kilograms. So over half of what I weighed. And yeah, I have had a, a lifelong journey being a lifelong dieter. My first diet was when I was four for my sister's wedding. Jeez. And it became, yeah, like a, a large part of my life for nearly three decades, giving away my age now. Um, And I got to the point where I just couldn't face another, let's start Monday, let's cut everything out, let's go hard or go home, um, because I'd just rather be at home. And so I started looking into the (laughs) mindset side of it and um, stopped trying to do it to the clock and do the weighing and the measuring and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, the rest, they say, is history. It's fantastic. And what I love about the collection of us here is... um, what you don't have is filtered Instagram superheroes here telling you how to go about New Year's resolutions. All of us have uh, real experience and are real people. Um, and so that's why each of you I was keen to have on. And so thank you for your time. Uh, now, what I'd love to start with, which is sort of dumping us in it, I'll admit it, and I will start with mine, is have any of you ever successfully set a New Year's resolution and then achieved it? Because I know for a fact I have never successfully done that. James, how about you? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I've always been uh, very positive. If I, if I do the Gallup test, I did the Gallup test and futuristic comes out. So I'm always, okay. look, I'm always looking forward. Um, and, and I guess as part of that... It's not, I mean, if anything, there's a bit of a reset at New Year's. It's a, it's a, you know, maybe a quick look back. What, what do I want to do more of? Um, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't get carried away with it and I haven't, yeah, I never really set. I've, I always feel the pressure because unless you're sitting at home on New Year's Eve, someone's going to ask you. Right. <laughs> and so there, there's got to be something in mind. Uh, and, you know, for me this year, it's probably a little bit of, do more yoga and get outside and see the sun that I'm supposed to be under all the time. And I, I espouse, but, uh, you know, know, it's an interesting point you make there. The, the dreaded party moment of silence when you've got the drink and you're standing with a person you don't know. And the only thing they can think of to ask you is about the resolution. Like that's a real thing that we all experience. And particularly with all of the conversation or press or like everything going on is just talking about this stuff that, even if you'd never heard that expression before, New Year's resolution, suddenly you've worked out you should have one. Like, it's bizarre. Fran, have you have you managed to set and, and knock off New Year's resolutions in the past? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't actually really thought about this until you asked the question and now I'm just trying to reflect. So I think about when it was things like, oh, you know, do my yoga teacher training or that sort of thing that you can just tick off. Yeah. Then yes, definitely. But if it's something like, you know... <laughs> go to the gym five days a week for the entire year. Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I've, I've knocked off the things that are probably a bit more tangible and achievable, right. I would say, right. like, you know, doing the courses or like getting certain things done and, and that sort of thing. But in terms of, yeah, those really ongoing 
um, ongoing things that you have to show up for every day or every week, then no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and Suzanne, was your weight loss part of a New Year's resolution or was it, it was separate? No, the only New Year's resolution I've successfully kept is to never make a New Year's resolution again. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. And so because of, of this and... I was starting to get a sense that this was putting pressure on ourselves, um, that I actually started looking into it. And it's a really interesting history where this stuff came about, right? So the Babylonians, so we're talking, you know, not more than a few decades, decades ago, hundreds of years ago, they actually used to make promises to their gods every year to return borrowed objects and pay their debts. <laughs> so New Year's resolutions were just about giving the lawnmower back to your neighbour and paying your mate back for those beers that he bought you, which is interesting, right? I mean, probably we could all just stick to that and we'd all be better off. Um, but then the Romans actually began each year by making promises to their god Janus, which is uh, J-A-N-U-S, which is actually what January is named after. So there's this history of doing this each year. I think, unfortunately bring it forward into the modern world and we've gone crazy, which is what we do with everything, right? We just take it to the extreme, um, just like extreme dieting or extreme, like anything like this, we go to the extreme and we make it nuts. And unfortunately, 80%, I think this figure is a bit low actually, 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February. So what I'd love to hear from each of you, and maybe we'll start um, with you, Suzanne, is what do you think is the environmental reason for that? Like, a, like around that time of year, there's a lot going on. Do you think there's things that just make this moment in time almost impossible to succeed at something like a goal setting process? I think for many of us, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, um, especially because New Year's comes just after Christmas. So we kind of have this feast or famine thing. It's like, better eat it all now because I won't be able to come 1st of January. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we... we and then we have to be perfect. And then the day after perfect, we're like, oh, I'll start again next year or next month or next Monday or is February, the new January or whatever, you know, BS excuse we tell ourselves. Yeah. Um, and it was funny, like we've recently moved into state and I was decluttering and I came across all these journals I actually posted about on my page. I think there were seven of them and they all started, there was supposed to be this like 365 day, like from Kiki K. And each year, like the first year, I think I, I made it till February and then the third week of January. And by the last one, I think I'd done the first of January and the second. And then I was like, never doing this again. <laughs> but I always had to have a new journal. Like, what is with that? I couldn't reuse the old one. And I was yeah. fresh. <laughs> well, you could just have a, a stationary problem like I do. I, I mean, I will too. put my hand up. <laughs> you take me into something like Officeworks or Kiki K. My husband actually doesn't let me walk into Officeworks alone. And he takes my bag off me as I walk <laughs> around because I just cannot be trusted. It's in, there's something about... I don't know, the smell of stationery makes me insane. But it's a really interesting point. Is so we put all that pressure on of world changing. This moment is going to change the world but just because it ticks over from one day to the next. Um, and it's interesting. And, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe that's just the first point is we're already going to fail because we've built it into something so big. Fran, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's massive and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's slightly different, but my approach with nutrition as well, I try and just keep it focused on whole foods and that inclusive, you know, what you can have, like the positive sense of things instead of, um, you know, having that, that restriction. And I think it's the same thing, you know, coming into the new year, we can get really restrictive and rigid and, you know, with the diets and the exercise routines and all of that, 
um, which inevitably ends up leaving us to, you know, fall in a heap and fail. So, yeah, um, yeah I think just having that, um, you know, less rigid approach, more flexible and setting intentions and that kind of thing, instead of being so hardcore with these goals can be much more realistic and a sustainable way to get what we want. And, you know, the other thing we do, which like when you reflect is hysterical is, you know, we all go epic, right? So it's mm. not that we're going to set something little. We're like, go big, go home or go home. And we just go nuts with these goals. Um, and I think that factors into money too, doesn't it, James? Like it's, it's never something like I'm just going to put aside this amount per week. It's some crazy, I'm going to pay off the mortgage, you know, by the end of the year that people often do with this. Is, is that what you found with clients? Hundred percent, and so I mean that that process we were talking about defining sufficient. It, it doesn't matter how I approach that, or where I start. It doesn't matter what I say. If I ask someone what their goals are, as a financial advisor, you're told immediately, "I want to reduce tax, I want to pay off the mortgage, I want to buy property," <laughs> and and I'm like, yep, yep, that's great. We'll take those down, and then we'll move on to the stuff that actually makes you tick. And yeah, and and I think that's you know, friend, you touched on it. It's got to feel good. It's got to it's got to feel like it's the right thing to do. You got you can't be overwhelmed by it. And, and paying off the mortgage, like, to be honest, it's not going to feel that good. You're not going <laughs> to, like, it, I mean, it might seem like it yeah. because it's part of that day-to-day. But if you, if you approach money from a slightly different angle and start to figure out what are all these things I want to do and how do I just make, make, more, make the right decisions to get you to those points. Yeah. Um, and, and that comes from, I guess, we talk about setting systems, not goals. And yeah. so creating a system, creating a process and, and those really short, easy steps. Don't make it too hard. Just taking one step at a time. But the idea of reaching sufficient funds from our perspective is, is following certain steps and defining it is first and then delivering or developing those skills over time. And, and certainly there's a, there's a bunch of things that you need to do, um, but they don't necessarily be all that hard. And, and so, yeah, the, the idea of January from a, from a money perspective, if I can give anyone any encouragement, it's just take that, take small steps and, and start to build habits. Yeah, there's sort of two elements in what you covered there. One is that the, these big things op- only happen because of little things. You know, it literally is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And <laughs> we, I don't think it's even possible to make change without small actions. It's just small repetitive actions or small repetitive changes that absolutely can change the future of anything, no matter what you're doing. Um, whereas I think most of us, um, just like, you know, Susanna's described with weight loss, it's like, on oh, Monday, you know, I'm going to completely transform my world. And I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Oh, I'm going to, I'm never going to buy, you know, lunch at work or I'm never going to, like, and it's just insane, you know, whereas if we can think about small actions we can take, they also become, they snowball because you start doing a bit of that. And then you start doing a bit more of this and all of a sudden it's changed. Um, but the other point I think you, you, you touched on there is I think, and we'll actually look through the most popular New Year's resolutions because I think most of, them are, most of them are things that we think we should do, not things we think we want to do. So I'm going to ask each of you what you think some of the most popular New Year's resolutions are, you know, what are the top couple that you reckon? Let's start with you, Fran. What do you reckon are some of the the top of the pops? Definitely weight loss. And that's definitely what I see a lot of in January, as I'm sure you do too, Suzanne. So, and I think just being healthier and having all of those 
you know, routines, like I mentioned before, you know, I'm going to go to the gym X number of days a week. I'm going to go to yoga X number of days a week. I'm going to meditate for 40 minutes a day. Yeah, probably they're the, the main ones I'm thinking of. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the get fit isn't that a great expression? I'm going to get fit, like it's something <laughs> you can go and pick up from the shop. I'm just going to go and get it. You know? If only. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne, what do you reckon are some others that are pretty popular? Um, save money or pay off your house or something, as James was saying, something mm. like that. Maybe travel. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm probably per, I'm, I'm a parent to young children. Not yell at my kids so much. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing you on that one. <laughs> yeah, with two toddlers, absolutely. James, do you have any others you reckon are pretty that come across? You know, all the time. Look, we we work a lot with millennials, and and buy property is is one of those the biggest goal, and it's everyone's goal. And this this comes right back to that idea of should versus want. Um, everyone tells you you should buy property. And, yeah. and unfortunately, it's all through the media. It's everywhere. All our parents have done it. That It made them all wealthy. Um, and that's that's what we, we drill into everyone else. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work that you can do around just discussing if that's actually going to matter to you. And, yeah. and I think thinking through, you know, do, do you really? And in, with a, from an affordability perspective, it's not necessarily possible. And so setting goals like that that, aren't, uh, that, that are really difficult, not, not impossible, but difficult to achieve can set you back and just send you straight back to square one. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really true. So when um, I did some digging, you guys have hit a number of the high points. There's a couple of others. So in terms of the most popular every year, quit smoking appears a lot which makes sense. Um, and I am fully behind anybody that wants to do that. That'll be a wonderful improvement for your health. Spend more time with friends and family uh, is an interesting one. Now, and learning a new trade or a new skill. I mean, that makes sense. You know, we want a new beginning. There was two that were interesting to me. Read more is in like the top five. How interesting is that? Like, I would question what's stopping you. Like as somebody who reads a lot, I find that really fascinating because you just pick up the book and read it. But clearly it is something that's difficult for some people and it's not a habit. Um, and the last one is settle down. Wow. Right. I mean, how interesting, how vague, that's probably the vaguest goal I've ever heard of. Settle down, right. With the air quotes. <laughs> it is scary, right? Because a lot of these things, like you're talking about with the mortgage, they're defined by what our parents' parents thought was the right thing to do. It's not even up to date just for our parents. You know, it's our grandparents that have sort of set the standard of what owning property or the way we live or what we do, you know. And I think the danger with that is, is that it's not even the new norm where we're revolving our lives around or we're making decisions about. You know, that's really, dis, you know, really dangerous, I think. Um, and so one of the things I encourage people to do with our adventure work and, and building your dream muscle is to constantly question the norm because there is no normal. <laughs> In this, you get on Instagram, it is abundantly clear there is no normal. We should just pick our life. Um, and so I'm actually curious... Franny, are you seeing that in the work you're doing that people's choices now that they're getting any better at, at their own influence rather than an external influence about the way they decide things? Yeah, uh, not, not really. I think because mm. I work with a lot of people with chronic illness, I think a lot of people end up in that place because, you know, they're doing things that 
don't feel good for them. They're not in alignment for them. They're working right. in jobs that they don't like. They, you know, maybe they've got a mortgage that they never wanted, like you guys were discussing. Yeah. Um, well, or a job just, they've never wanted. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're not traveling like they would, you know, like they would be uh, wanting to do and, and all of these kind of things. So I think it's a real process for people, you know, like for me anyway, we start with food, but it ends up going there because, you know, as I mentioned from my own story, I couldn't, I couldn't recover until I started doing things that were um, more in alignment for me. So I think right. this is a process that, um, you know, more and more people are starting to go through just because of probably what's going on in our worlds and where, you know, many of us are just being forced into that. Um, and also just the fact that people are going for it and people are doing all sorts of crazy, exciting things. Um, mm. So think you know also it gives people permission and they can see that it's possible um so but there's definitely a lot of people I see who are unwell and I think in part of it in part it's definitely you know due to all of that pressure and and um yeah not living out their their dreams yeah and I what frustrates me and the more I interview people and interact the the bigger the frustration grows, if I'm perfectly honest, is a lot of the early decisions we make. So I'm talking sort of left school, you know, we're embarking on life. Uh, we get advice and we get advice from like our family or parents or grandparents or, you know, sort of extended family. And unfortunately the advice, and I'm talking probably more specifically about career or work or, or study is about 30 years old, if not longer. So, Hey, you know, the safest jobs are, a, B, C, um, you know, and you should just, Oh, don't do that thing. You love. Why don't you get a, a stable job first? You know, and what's interesting that to me about that is if I was to ask you separately without you guys knowing the answers of the others, I can guarantee you that if I said, when's the best time for you to do something batshit crazy and try out a new career, you never thought you'd be able to do. It'd be straight out of school. You'd go, you know what? The least risky time to do it is straight up, I'm young, I'm stupid, I don't have many responsibilities, I may as well go now, you know, and do it. Whereas what do we tell young people? You know what? Get that study done yeah. and then just go and get a stable stable job. Do you guys agree with that? Is, it, is that something that you've each experienced? Um, I 100%. can go first with that. My yeah. husband has a very stable job. He's an engineer, so he's done a uni degree and Quite a big uni degree. Um, a, a very big uni degree. <laughs> He's worked in mining, which is not the best industry, so that one's a bit un, un, insecure, but yeah. power, road, rail. And in six years, we've had four redundancies. So it's... Wow. One of them, the, the place itself wasn't turning profit, so it closed. Another one, they were bought out and brought their own people. Like, we've gone from stable industry to stable... in Like, you know, like, this place has been open 50 years. So yeah. I just... Whenever people say like stable job, I just kind of laugh. <laughs> right. And like for James and I, finance. So we're both financial advisors. And I don't know if anybody's noticed the Royal Commission recently, but um, there's a lot of noise about the finance industry and there's a lot of instability. And lots of people would said finance is one of the stalwart, you know, safest roles you could have. Now, I know 25,000 advisors that would probably disagree with that right now. Would you agree with that, James? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're probably lucky to a point that we're, we've just started. We're very nimble. We're not relying on all the old world um, rules and practices and everything that's been flipped upside down now. But, but yeah, so many businesses, so many people trying to retire that can't, uh, that have based their, their worlds on certain set of rules right. um, that have now changed. And, 
legislation that's been flipped. And, and so whilst all of that is positive for the longer term, right now we're, there's a bunch of, you know, like, like you said, there's probably 25,000 advisors, probably 20,000 of those that are considering leaving the industry at the moment because right. of all the craziness, um, which is, is quite um, a, a strange concept when you think of we went to uni, we did accounting and money degrees and we got that stable you know, and then took the next leap. And yeah, we're, you know, a lot of us are self-employed and that obviously carries its risks, but sure. there's, there's stability and there's a business model that was, that wasn't difficult to, to action yeah, right. in a sense. And so, and yeah, you know, if you go to a career day, even now, the biggest cues are at accounting and law and it just stupefies me. Like mm. those two industries are under under attack from AI, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, you know, and I sort of say all of this because if you're listening out there and you feel like you are caught in the hamster wheel, you are not alone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties and so I get the whole, well, I've followed a path and this is where I'm at. But um, learning to just question the norm. So I'm not even say, saying make a big New Year's resolution to change this. I'm just saying learning to question the norm, getting that habit yourself and go, well, just because that's what somebody should say, is that really valid? I think is really important. I think we all need to get used to recognizing we have unending opportunities in this world right now. Like it's mm. people are starting businesses in the strangest things. There's baby yoga. Uh, as far as I'm aware, like guys, if you can start a baby <laughs> yoga business, you can start any business. Like this is fantastic. This is exciting. So if you are feeling stuck, then just start questioning what you are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's really, really important. I want to come back to that as something that's unique about New Year's resolutions that I think is probably another challenge is it's this deadline thing. Like we Oh, tomorrow I've got to do something. So I think Susan, you touched on this before, but we really set ourselves up to fail when we do this of the, from Monday, I will. Is that what you find with the people you're coaching too with weight loss? Totally. So part of it would be, it's not my main area because I don't actually cover food eating. I'm more a mindset coach, but in terms of like chemicals and stuff, when we've had this total sugar fest on Sunday <laughs> and then Monday, it's suddenly gone that hormone cascade and that, you know, by like two o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, Oh, stop it. You know? Yeah. So that's like not healthy for like our body and our system. But also like if you've got this plan and you have to eat these specific things and then like I've worked with people and they're like, they've eaten one mushroom and mushrooms went on the plant and that was it. And it's like, Oh, and also if you don't like it, like I love how Fran said before, whole foods, like I can kind of get behind that. But this whole clean eating thing, someone asked me on a podcast once what I thought of clean eating. I'm like, what's you put dishwashing detergent on it? Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> if, if you don't like the thing, you're not going to be able to do it forever. And if you're only going to do it until you've dropped the weight, then when you stop doing it, the weight will come back. And when I say it, people think I'm being facetious. But, no, I, I can personally vouch for this. So I did a while back, as you can tell, not right now, but I did a while back a whole lot of personal training. And I have, I have an interesting background where I did 20 years of dancing training. And so I was accident, accidentally fit. I was one of those kids that didn't have to try. I could eat. So we used to do dancing on Saturdays and a mate and I would share a whole chicken and six bread rolls at the break, right? We were just, because we, we were just eating machines because we were training so hard, right? And so, so I was used to that and then hit the real world. And of course that all went a bit pear-shaped. And so went to the personal trainer, loved all of that, but in personal training world, and I'm only talking from my experience, it was about meal planning. And I get that it's, it's planning ahead. So you're less likely to fall over. But um, he was telling me about how what I could do is have 
a steamed chicken breast and steamed broccoli and prep that for five days. I'm like, okay. So darling, I love that thought. Like, I, like this is very well organized. Have we met because I'm a foodie? You just offended my sensibilities by suggesting that I would voluntarily do that once let alone five days in a row. Like it's, it's so interesting how we do this, isn't it? And, it, and it's instant extreme, you know, whereas I'd love to get actually, Fran, your take on this, because I've seen people, and I wonder whether you'd suggest this too, where it's just change out that one thing on your plate can even help you eat a bit healthier, you know? So just make those small changes. Is it something that you suggest to your clients? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it really depends. I have a massive spectrum of people who come to me. So sometimes people are really unwell and they just, they have to just, you know, be a little bit serious for a while and that's, that's okay. We work with that and I definitely work with people to help them find foods that they enjoy because I went through the chicken and broccoli phase as well. And that was <laughs> not it's miserable, right? It's miserable. <laughs> so miserable. Like I was literally counting how many almonds I could eat for morning tea. Like right. what a joke, like oh. 12 almonds. Yeah. So I'm never going back there and I don't want anyone that I work with to ever or anyone no. really to go back there again. So, no. um, yeah. So, but with most people, it's just starting where they're at and, you know, making one small change. So usually that will be with people's breakfast or, you know, something that's the easiest because as we've sort of touched on, if you can just make that one small change and stick to that, then that really empowers you to, make more changes and make more changes and get those, you know, sustainable results. So, um, but yeah, everyone's so different as well. Some Mm. people really are willing to dive in a hundred percent, make a massive change and that works for them. So I always ask people when I start working with them, you know, what their personality type is, um, you know, and also I'm not sure if you've heard of the, the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin's, um, work, no, no, no. Tell us about that. Yeah. So it's basically, it's, it's a bit of a framework, you know, it's, it's something like the Enneagram or any of those kind of things, but it's quite a simplified version, but it's all about how people respond to inner and outer expectations. Ooh. So for example, there is the obliger type who if they want to do something for themselves. <laughs> so I need to interrupt for two seconds because Suzanne just <laughs> raised a hand and the listeners <laughs> won't see that. She's emitting amongst this safe space that she's an obliger type. So the obliger basically, you know, it's when they have their own expectations. So they want to lose weight or eat well or go to the gym, you know, for themselves, they won't stick to that. But if they've agreed to meet someone else at the gym or they've got, you know, some sort of agreement or some sort of external expectation or a deadline at work, then they'll easily meet that. Um, So that's one of the types. There's also the rebels who basically, you know, don't respond to inner or outer expectations. So they need to find a workaround. (laughs) There's um, the upholders as well. So they'll basically, you know, respond to um, inner and outer expectations. So, um, you know, if they make an agreement with someone, they'll stick to it. And if they want to do something, for themselves, they'll stick to it. Um, and what was the other type? The I guess that's the, the question. The questioner. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. And they'll basically question everything. And when they're on board and they've asked all the questions, then they're they're totally in, and they're basically you know like an upholder basically once they've asked those questions. Interesting. Well, make sure we share those details in the show notes because I I would imagine understanding that about yourself 
could help with any of this sort of goal setting because as you describe that, and I wasn't aware of this, but as you describe that, I am 100% a rebel. Mm. Like, I see, I can I see d- you get excited when that, <laughs> like, I, I got all tingly too. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, and, and it's interesting for what, how you hire a personal trainer because the last thing I need is a drill sergeant. That will guarantee I do nothing you tell me to do. Like that is just hell no. <laughs> I, I, I almost need to be conjoled or tricked into doing it, you know. And in fact, when I did succeed some years past, it was because my trainer and I both love movies. And so I would be having a conversation about a movie we'd both seen while exercising and wouldn't really notice that that's what we were doing. That's how I with the rebel. Yes, yes. So, that's um, so in- interesting. So Susan, yeah. you said you'd come across that before. It's something I use in, in, in my program with my clients and they're either almost all obligers like me because your vibe attracts your tribe um, <laughs> or rebels and rebels it is tricking them into it. It's like the stats show, oh, I've got to beat that. <laughs> <laughs> or it's unlikely that. It's like you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. So yeah. um, it's a quick little test and she's got a book that goes with it. But like being an obliger, you think, oh, well, what's the point? But uh, as Fran said, it's to get accountability or to get somebody on board um, because you will let yourself down, but you won't let somebody else down. So it's interesting. Um, so that's like yeah. a father who ends up um, being able to get out of his chair and walk his, his daughter down the aisle. Like yes. it's that sort of doing it because you're attaching it to somebody else and, and your love or care for them, which is really interesting. I mean, I think when we talk about the extremeness and the, you know, the, the extreme dieting and the, and the steam broccoli and chicken, I think James and I would say, we see that with money too, where people just go from living this Uber eating three times a, a day lifestyle into not spending a dime and it invariably fails. Would you agree with that, James? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and trying to go cold turkey on something like this is it look it's possible it is possible um and sometimes just like you said fran sometimes people are in such a world of hurt you've got to make some drastic changes um and but that's when it's obvious and you can see immediate benefit if you do it where the overnight switch of everything it isn't it doesn't usually work it can for some people because they realize they've been really silly and they know they were doing it Others have fallen into a trap over many, many years and, and breaking those habits is a really difficult thing to do. Um, I think no matter what people's personalities are with finance, when, they, when you come to see a financial planner, most people present as rebels um, because they've got, they've got to be tricked a little bit, not necessarily tricked, but, but led, led down a path that they probably don't, either don't know they need to go or really don't want to. Um, and it's talking about things that aren't comfortable. Um, and, and, well, and we're trained stuff. to not talk about. Yeah. Nobody yeah. does, right? No. And so often you do, like you said, Suzanne, what I was going to say before is you, you let people think that it's going in the, like the direction that they want to go and, and people need to take control and they need to feel like they're in control. And so if they come in saying, look, I'm going to do this, I really want to do this. And it sounds a bit crazy as long as we can work. And an example might just be, paying off their hex debt versus paying off the 20% personal loan. Yeah. And, and someone feels really bad about, and, and this happens, people feel horrendous about owing money to the government or, or having this student debt hanging over their head. But, but it's it, the it, cheapest it's, debt you'll ever have. It is. It's, all, it's almost free. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, there, there are things that, you, I mean, you can start that conversation and then 
start and move slowly away from it over time instead of just jumping like, no, you're wrong and this is how you need to do it because people get their backs up then. They um, do. And I think, I think one thing that I'd encourage, you know, the listeners to take away to is the first thing to do is to know yourself. You know, anytime you're setting a goal, making change, wanting different, or just, you know, rolling through life, really, um, understanding yourself and your behavior will make a huge difference to how you do anything, how you have relationships, how you run a business. So truly knowing yourself, and that takes time. We don't all just pop out with this wisdom of the ages, but, but I think acknowledging that. And so I'd encourage, I will share the link of that book and a couple of others I've come across. And there's some tests you can even do um, that can just give you a sense of that. The Gallup strength stuff is really good. I've seen um, a number of people really found that insightful because the other thing that's powerful is that it gives you language. So when you've got language, like you described, you know, Fran described the four different sort of types, it gives you a way to talk about that with people. And that's really powerful. So I encourage, you know, each of you to do that as a, as a sort of a step in the right direction. Wow, don't you love how different everyone's takes are on this resolution stuff? I just wanted to take a moment right now to capture some of the gems we've already got here just just halfway through our series, which is fantastic. And basically, this is the list of things not to do when it comes to New Year's resolutions. There was a lot there, but I've sort of pulled out the first four. Number one, don't let yourself feel guilty about past failures. It's a new year. Enjoy the fresh start for the opportunity it is. Second, don't put unreasonable pressure on yourself. You know, don't set something that's too hardcore, too epic, and therefore too unachievable. You know, let's make sure we have at least a slim chance of hitting that goal or that resolution. The third is to make sure we don't let society set our goals. These are your goals, they're your dreams. Let them be as weird and wonderful as you are. Yeah, so make sure they're your own. Keep on questioning the norm. And the last one I quickly wanted to highlight was to make sure that we don't get started on that big adventure without building the skills that will make sure we really are successful. This is a really important one where we sort of go, you are, I wanna do this thing. And then we don't actually have in place anything that's gonna help us succeed. So build those skills and make sure they can help you get there. And if you wanna know more um, about the things we've chatted about, then head over to the show notes where we'll actually drop in the links to all of the things we've discussed so far, along with all of the details of our guests, all of their social details, so you can follow on with their varied adventures in the future. We'll also be continuing this discussion about all things New Year's resolutions over in the Adventure Club room, which is our private Facebook group and is basically a support group for action heroes in training just like you. The link to the group is actually in the show notes or simply search for Adventure Club Room when you're in the book of the face. <laughs> now, now that you know what not to do when it comes to New Year's resolutions, be sure to tune in to next week's episode where my guests and I cover tips and tricks on how to do these things better, along with ideas on how to just start the year on the front foot and really make it a great year. 
And I'd actually love to hear if you decided to set yourself some New Year's resolutions and how actually you're going, you know, thus far. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and leave us your comments and any progress you've made on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Because folks, there's an adventure story out there simply waiting for its action hero to step up. And I'm pretty sure that action hero is you. Thank you.